Hey, little buddies, it's Uncle Rick from the Uncle Rick Audiobook Club. This week's podcast, I am reading to you a missionary story. And is it ever exciting? It's about John G. Patton. And it comes from the book, John G. Patton, Hero of the South Seas, published in 1924. He went to the New Hebrides Islands, John Patton did. By the way, his name, I believe, is pronounced Patton in uh, the British Isles. But in America, usually pronounced Patton from what I can learn. So being an American, I'm going to say Patton. Besides that, I've got uncles named Patton, and I just like it. I'm going to start with this chapter called Called Far Away. Though happy and busy in his Green Street mission work, yet Mr. Patton kept hearing the wail of the heathen in the South Sea Islands. He did not tell anyone about his burden for these heathen, but he thought and prayed much about it. Mr. Patton had always been interested in the heathen, for from the time he was a small boy, he was used to hearing his father praying earnestly for them in family worship. But now it seemed they were calling to him to come to them. He felt this a few years without saying anything about it. Then he learned that his church had been trying for two years without success to get someone to go to the New Hebrides Islands to help the missionary already there. A meeting was called for earnest prayer over this matter, and Mr. Patton attended. It seemed that the Lord was saying to him in his heart, Since none better qualified can be got, rise and offer yourself. Oh, how he wanted to get up and say, Here am I, send me. But he was not sure enough that it was the will of God. He decided to pray over it a few days more. Several days later, he called on old Dr. Bates, the minister with whom he had labored when he first went to Glasgow, and offered himself for the New Hebrides work. How the good man rejoiced! And Mr. Patton returned to his lodging with a lighter heart than he had known for a long time. Another proof that nothing makes a person so happy as a decision to move forward in the will of God. When he returned to his lodging after some hesitation, he said to his college chum, I have offered myself as a missionary to the New Hebrides. Several minutes passed, then his friend surprised him with the answer. If they will accept of me, I am resolved to go. Both had been burdened for this work, but they had said nothing to each other about it until now. Then this news was noised about. Instead of people coming to Mr. Patton with, I'm so glad, God bless you in your new work, they tried to discourage him. Even the minister of the church, in connection with which his mission was carried on, said, Mr. Patton, I fear you are making a great mistake. You have such wonderful service in your mission work here. This is surely your place. You know you can be useful here, but you may just be throwing your life away by going among those cannibals. Mr. Patton answered, I am fully decided. I love my work and my people, but there are others who will take up this work but there is no one to go to the New Hebrides. As to losing my life among those cannibals, I have only one time to die, and I am willing to leave the matter of it with God. The directors of the mission offered him a house and any salary he should ask if he would stay at home. One old man would repeatedly say, The cannibals! You'll be eaten by cannibals! His Green Street people grieved very much over his leaving them and pleaded with him to stay. Sometimes, when hearing all these things, he would wonder if he was making a mistake. But, when he would pray, his doubts would fly away. 
He decided to write again to his parents and to tell them what the people were saying and all about it. He wrote, and this was the reply he received. Dear John, in our last letter, we did not say much about your going as a missionary because we did not wish to over-influence you. But now we must tell you why we praise God for the decision to which you've been led. When I was young, my heart was set on being a minister, but circumstances compelled me to give it up. When you were given to us, your mother and I laid you, our firstborn, upon the altar to be consecrated, if God fit, saw fit to be a missionary of the cross. And it has been our constant prayer that you might be prepared, qualified, and led to this very decision. We pray with all our heart that the Lord may accept your offering, long spare you, and give you many souls from the heathen world. Your father, James Patton. After this letter, there were no doubts, and preparations were made for sailing to the faraway isles. He also married an educated, consecrated young woman named Mary Ann Robson. The New Hebrides Islands, the mission field toward which the young couple were setting their faces, is a group of about 30 small islands not far northeast of Australia. The first who had tried to do missionary work in this group of islands was the great John Williams, who had done such wonderful work in other groups. But when he and a companion attempted landing on Aromanga of the New Hebrides group, they were clubbed to death and feasted upon. Others after them met a similar fate. But several years before Mr. Patton went, some missionaries had had much success on the island of Anetium, 3,500 cannibals having become Christians. So Mr. and Mrs. Patton knew they were going into a dangerous and difficult work, but all through the slow-sailing village from April 16th to August 29th, they steadily believed the gospel of Jesus was able to save cannibals. They went in the year 1858, Mr. Patton being then 34 years of age. Mary, these people are beyond anything I ever imagined, said Mr. Patton to his wife, after they had had a sight of the heathen to whom they had come. Well, I surely never pictured in my mind such horrid-looking creatures, answered his wife, and they seem to try to make themselves look as horrid as they can. The way they put on that paint... Did you see those men who had one side of their faces painted black and the other side red? And their hair twisted and standing out as it does. And how shocking to see them going about without any clothes. I wonder if those little grass aprons the women wear anything like the one Eve made. Those things are all bad enough, replied Mr. Patton. But the knives and big clubs they carry look as bad as anything to me. It is a good thing I never had a sight of these people when the folks back in Scotland were trying so hard to get me to stay there. Why, the very worst places I ever got into in my missionary work in Scotland were nothing to compare with this. Mary, when you saw those wild creatures today, could you imagine it possible that they could ever be made Christians? Why, John, have you forgotten that nothing is impossible with God? And were you so shocked today that you've forgotten these converts we've been seeing here with Mr. and Mrs. Inglis? Oh, Mary, thank you for bringing me back to my old convictions. I'm still sure God has sent us here and will help us to reach these people. The sight of them in the raw shook me for a little bit, but God loves them, I know, and will be with us. Mrs. Patton continued with Mrs. Inglis on the island of Anetium, 
while the men with some of the converts went over to a neighboring island of Tana to build a house. The music they had to work by was the savage war yells of the Tannese. There seemed to be a war between tribes about all the time. One morning, when the fighting was nearer than usual, Mr. Inglis said, Mr. Patton, we are told that Nehemiah built the wall of Jerusalem in troublous times, and why not the mission house on Tana? But I suggest that we take this day off and spend it in prayer for these people. In the evening, when they wanted their tea, the Anetchimese boy whom they had brought for a cook could not be found. They knew nothing to do but wait, although they feared the boy might have been killed. After a time, he came saying, O Misi, this is a dark land. Down at the boiling spring they have cooked and feasted on the six men that were killed today. They have washed the blood into the stream until it is all red. I cannot get water for your tea. What shall I do? He seemed to think the spoiling of the water of more consequence than the eating of the men. Next evening, the stillness was broken by an unearthly, wild, wailing cry. They learned that one of the wounded men had died and his wife was being strangled to death that her spirit might go along with his. The more I see of these people, the bigger I see my task, thought Mr. Patton, but I will not be discouraged. By and by, the house was finished, and Mrs. Patton and all their household things were brought. The people came in crowds to look on, but Mr. and Mrs. Patton could not speak with them because they did not know the language. That was the next big task. And how are they to learn when there were no books, no ABC, and no teacher? One day Mr. Patton noticed a man pick up one of their things and say to another man, Nunski Narien. Mr. Patton, supposing he was asking what is this, instantly picked up a piece of wood and said the same words. They smiled and told him. He learned many words by asking this question, and also another he learned, What is your name? Both Mr. and Mrs. Patton were all the time on the watch to learn more of the language, and soon they were able to converse a little with the people, and they made writing for the language. When they had been on Tana three months, a little boy was born to them. But their great joy was soon turned to sadness, for Mr. Mrs. Patton was soon stricken with fever and died when the baby was not yet three weeks old. And before another three weeks passed... The baby also was dead. Mr. Patton had to be undertaker, preacher, and mourner all together. These were sad days to him, the bitterest he had ever known. He would go off into the lonely grave to mourn and to think and to pray. Why should God take away a woman so young, so consecrated to the Lord's work, and so well fitted for it? Why should I be left alone in this difficult work? And his thoughts would go on. If only I had not brought her here so near the beginning of the rainy season. If only I had built the house up on the hill instead of down on this fever-infested lowland. But I did not know until too late. And he would pray. O oh Lord Jesus, help this poor lone man to bear this great sorrow. I do not understand why thou hast allowed it, but I will not complain against thee. Thy way is best. God heard his prayers and comforted him, and so strengthened his spirit that he decided to stay and continue to work for the Tannese, though he must work alone. What a debt of thanks do we owe to these pioneer missionaries for teaching us through their bitter experiences how to preserve our health on the mission fields. When Mr. Patton had heart again to return to his work, it was the same old story. Some days, dawnings of hope, 
other days, sights, and experiences that made his heart sick. He decided at whatever cost to be strong against war, wife-beating, and widow-strangling. Often he was able to restrain these things, but sometimes the people paid no attention to his words and even threatened to kill him. Several, like Nicodemus, began coming to him at night, and they would stay long asking him questions about his religion. One chief said, I would be a Christian man, were it not that all the rest would laugh at me. That I could not stand. One day another chief came and said, Missy, will you give me some tape? My wife died and I want to dress her the way you did your wife and bury her in the same kind of grave. I got some calico from a trader. Shall I come and pray? asked Mr. Patton. No, he said. If you come, many of my people will not come and I want all the people to come and see. Old Chief Nowar has promised to speak and pray to your God before all. It was a case of a Christian burial conducted by a heathen in the presence of heathen. To some it might seem a small thing, but to Mr. Patton it was a wonderful step in advance, though so far from what he yet hoped to see in these people. There were many trying things. These tannies would lie and steal with no shame. Only if they did it so clumsily that they were caught would they be ashamed. One man spied a pocket knife on the floor of Mr. Patton's house. He neatly stepped on it, then holding it with his toes, walked off looking as innocent as any man could look. Another, seeing a small scissors on a table, hid it among the whipcord plates of his hair and went off with it. Thus, one thing after another of Mr. Patton's would disappear. Once after a rainy spell, Mr. Patton, with his Anetium helpers hung the bedclothes in the sun to dry. Suddenly, Chief Miyaki came running and saying, Missy, Missy, come quick, quick. I want to tell you something and get your advice. They had no more got into the house when Mr. Patton heard his Anetiumese calling, Missy, come quick. Miyaki's men are stealing your sheets and blankets. By the time he appeared, both men and bedclothes bed had disappeared. On turning to Miyaki, he beheld that clever chief pretend to work himself into a towering rage, smashing the bushes with his huge club and saying, Thus will I do to those fellows. But that was all that ever came of it. One dark night, he heard the natives among his chickens. He knew that if he interfered, they would only glory in the chance of killing him in the dark, so that no one could say exactly who had done the deed. Another night, his kitchen was broke into and every pot and pan was stolen. His life depended on boiled water, so he offered a blanket to anyone who would bring his kettle. It was brought, minus the lid. One morning, several tannies came in great excitement, saying, Oh, Missy, something of fear is coming over the sea. Is it a god or a spirit or a ship on fire? Mr. Patton answered, I suppose it is one of Queen Victoria's men of war coming to see how you've been treating me. Oh, Missy, will they ask if we have stolen your things? I suppose they will. Will you tell them? I will have to tell them the truth. Oh, Missy, do not tell them, and we will bring all your things. In a very short time, they came running, one with a pan, one with a knife, another with a fork, another with a blanket. A heap of things was piled by the door. At last, the chiefs came running as fast as they could, calling out, Missy, do tell us if the stolen things are all here. Mr. Patton could not tell, but he said, I don't see the lid of the kettle yet. One chief answered, It is on the other side of the island. I have sent for it, and it will be here tomorrow, so do not tell. Several chiefs said, We are in black fear. Our misconduct toward you is done. The captain took a number of the chief men, 
aboard the ship. And when the big guns were fired, they were in greater terror than ever before in their fearful lives. Their conduct was better for some time after the visit of the men of war, but they eventually lapsed back into their old ways. Having had 14 attacks of fever and ague, Mr. Patton was made sure that he must, to save his life, move his house to higher ground. He had just begun the plan of the new house when he became sicker than ever before, and weaker. He knew he must have some better air, so he crept slowly up the hill. It was about two-thirds of the way up. He had no strength to go farther. He thought he would die. He said goodbye to his work and to Abraham, the faithful Anetuma helper, who with his wife watched over Misi as tenderly as he knew how to do. After a sleep, he felt somewhat better, and Abraham and his wife carried him to the top of the hill, made a bed and a shelter for him of coconut leaves, and kept him alive with coconut milk and other food. How Mr. Patton appreciated Abraham in those days. As he became better, he mused thus, How good dear Abraham is, how sincerely devoted to me and to Jesus. And he was once a wild heathen. What power in the gospel! Oh God, give me health and long life that I may teach the gospel to these people. He did get well, and with the help of his two anechemies, finished his house, and thereafter seldom had a fever. And that, little buddies, is a little intro into this great book, John G. Patton, Hero of the South Seas. I read in another book about Mr. Patton that when his wife and then his baby died, he buried him side by side, and he slept on their graves for several nights so that the cannibals couldn't come and dig up their bodies and use them for food. Pretty grim place he went to, but he believed that the Lord had called him there, that a gospel witness was needed there, and God used it. Many, many of those cannibals eventually became Christians through Mr. Patton's love and his testimony and his constant ministry to them. What a great example of sacrificial love of one person for other people who need the gospel. I hope some of you will grow up to be ministers of the gospel, and even missionaries to foreign countries. We need plenty of missionaries right here in America today. We've got more than enough pagans to work on, believe me. So I hope that you'll always be gospel-conscious and soul-sensitive. But the time has come when I must leave you for this week, and I look forward to reading to you again very soon. In the meantime, if you haven't joined the Uncle Rick Audio Book Club at UncleRickAudios.com, I hope you will, so you can listen to two whole books, these great books that Uncle Rick records for you every month. Until we meet again, my dear young friends, remember what Uncle Rick always tells you? I'm going to tell you again. Always put God first in your life. Be a patriotic American and honor your father and mother. So long, little buddies. God bless. Parents, if your kids enjoyed their visit with Uncle Rick, know that they will love the Uncle Rick Audiobook Club. The Uncle Rick Audiobook Club allows access to dozens more stories, both from history and the Bible, to help your kids learn about godly character. Here's what one parent had to say about the book club. My children love the stories. They make history so interesting. 
My son says it is because of the details that most textbooks don't include. Uncle Rick is easy to listen to. We love his accents and explanations. Thank you so much for that testimony. If you'd like to learn more about the Uncle Rick Book Club, please join us over at UncleRickAudios.com. That is UncleRickAudios.com. See you there.